Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Welcome to Ask Margaret from What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, Solving Your Parenting Dilemmas One Question at a Time. Today's question comes from our Facebook group, and it says, When should I worry about a teenager's lack of desire to be with friends? This is only made worse by the pandemic, and it's always been an issue, but since we moved here two years ago, he's even more in the I don't care camp than before. Outside of soccer and school, he doesn't ever see friends and says he doesn't want to. FYI, he is 15. Ugh, this is a hard one. Hits me right in the feels. Was this kid? Have these kids? And it's really, really hard to watch our kids struggling socially. I will say at the beginning, this is a spectrum. So on one hand, it is fairly normal for kids to be struggling socially at the age of 15. And and earlier and later, it is very normal. And it happened to me in, in seventh grade. I had a group of friends and they kind of turned on me. And then I was all alone. And I really didn't have any friends for seventh and eighth grade. And then I went to a different high school and changed it up a little bit. And it was really hard. And I know it was really hard for my parents to watch. One thing I would recommend against is kind of observing and honing in on this and asking a ton of questions. What happened to Bob? You and Bob used to be so close in second grade. Remember, you went to Halloween together. What happened to Bob? I think that those kind of observations can be hard on a kid who is dealing with this themselves. They're trying to manage it and to have a lot of probing questions coming at them about it. Probably not that helpful. Also, probably not that helpful is you're not seeing enough friends. I wish you had more friends. We want to control this for our kids because we want to see them happy and we equate happiness with being social and having a lot of friends. But if that's not happening for our kids, I think there are some better ways to deal with it. I'm going to point you to an article from yourteenmag.org, which has an advice column asking this very question two pieces of information that they give. Number one, separate your own emotions. And that's just what I'm saying. Trying to take the like, but you and Cindy, you were always so close and I'm going to call Cindy's mom and I'm going to get you together and I'm going to work it out. I would resist that urge. I don't think it's that helpful. The second one is set the stage to share information. Ask questions about the situation to the family group without singling out your kid. So they have examples of a couple of questions like, would you rather have a best friend or a few close friends? Asking general questions about friendship during the meal times allows for conversations around friends. And then 
it allows you to offer your perspective in a wider way. So I would sit down with my kids who are struggling with this at dinner and say, what's going on at school? You know, how are the friendships going in your class, maybe to a different kid? And if there's another kid at the table who I know is struggling, I might say, you know, this happened to me in seventh grade. I had a really tough experience where a bunch of my friends dropped me and I really didn't have any friends for two years. And it was super hard. And this is how I felt about it. And this is how I dealt with it. So I'm sharing my perspective, but I am not singling the kid who's struggling out and kind of trying to force that perspective on them. In that category, I think that what kids are missing when they are not succeeding in friendships is socialization. And that is something you can provide as a family. And so I want you to think of your role as being kind of like the lush, peaceful island from which they have to swim out into these shark infested, nightmarish waters of middle school and high school every day. And the value of that cannot be overstated, that no matter how hard it gets out in the waters, they have a safe place to land with you. And that place is where they have warm meals, snacks, family game nights, fun conversations. They don't swim back to the island to get met by like the lifeguard who is standing there and being like, what happened with that shark and that shark? And when did you get bitten? And what happened? And how much did it hurt? That's not your role. You're just there Tending the fire. I'm taking this metaphor all the way, people. You're tending the fire. You've got a warm meal and bed waiting for them. I think that's the best thing that you can offer for kids who are struggling. And if your kid is struggling to participate in that, which I also understand, I think you make certain things non-negotiable. For us, family dinner is non-negotiable. Occasionally, I will have a kid who is struggling to the degree that they want to sit in a different room to have dinner, and I will allow that once a week. You can sit in a different room and have your own dinner if you just can't even bear to sit with us. It's fine, once a week. But the other nights you're expected to participate with your family, same thing with family events. Uh, Maybe the all-family zipline outing, the pumpkin patch fun time is not for you because you're a grumpy 15-year-old. You can choose to opt out of one of every three activities in our family. So if you absolutely can't bear to go to the pumpkin patch, then you are going to Uncle Bob's birthday party. So leave your kids some control. They are struggling. Leave them some room. Like, I don't want someone walking up to me and being like, I know you're in a bad mood, but it's super fun. All family karaoke night. Like, I'm like, "Uh, no, thank you. And I try to leave that open for my kids because I know I don't always want to participate in things. But I would advise against letting a kid who is struggling get increasingly isolated. That's sort of where the trouble lies, where you have a kid who is not super involved with friendships and is in their room for 12 hours a day by themselves. It's something to keep an eye on. In this question, you talk about a kid who is going to school and playing soccer. So they are having some social outlets. But as you see a kid's world narrowing and narrowing, if they're quitting activities, if they're barely getting through the school day, if they're not participating in anything with family, that is a time I would start to worry more about this and involve a therapist and say, okay, let's maybe see if we can figure out where things are going wrong. Another thing to try is other activities. This advice sometimes makes me crazy because I'm like, the last thing I need is another activity. But I had a kid who was not doing great in school sports, just didn't like it, wasn't for him. And then we found a kind of ninja gym and he's very agile and good at that. And he's enjoying that a lot. And that's his outlet. Another kid who maybe isn't so social, but right now he's 
taking drum lessons. So he's learning to hit things with sticks and that helps him and fits well with his personality. So I would always keep in the path. Like, are there other things that they can be successful at that are not just like you have to be friends with Bob? That is the path to happiness. And that's where we're keeping our own emotions out of it, even though it is hard. There's so much to say about this. It's a difficult topic, but I hope those little pieces of advice kind of help you and keep that kid involved, keep him involved with the family, try to find some new activities, but I wouldn't get involved too much with like, I have the path to you to friendships. He is going to have to figure that out with the sharks and you're going to be waiting on shore no matter how hard it is. I hope that helps. If you have a question for myself or Amy, you can send them to questions at whatfreshhellpodcast.com or you can ask them in our Facebook group at What Fresh Hellcast and you may hear your question answered on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.